On today's episode, I finally speak on the NBA Finals, free agency, and more. Plus, another special guest joins me. All that and more on Check the Scoreboard. All right, welcome into episode 37 of Check the Scoreboard uh, podcast. It's been a while. Um, I know you guys have, have missed me. Maybe you haven't missed my voice. Um, but I just, you know, I had to take a little break. I was mentally exhausted from the finals. But uh, before we get into all that, we do have a special guest on. I would like to welcome our first sponsor on the Check the Scoreboard podcast, our unofficial official sponsor, uh, Mr. Guido News himself, John Draymond. John, welcome on to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I will say I missed you. While you were off, yeah, were I, taking a break or whatever. It I, was. I was mentally exhausted, man. That NBA Finals was so tiring between all the injuries and just everything that had, like all the energy, like the Kawhi stuff and then the Steph stuff and the Clay stuff. All of it just put together culminated into like a, a six game. Like I felt like I ran a marathon or something like that. It was insane. Oh yeah, and absolutely. so I had to take a week off. I wrote the I wrote the blog post, but the blog post was really crappy. I want to at least start off by saying, for one, I am the Oracle. So <clears throat> there's at least that. Yeah. Uh, and also, do not taunt the claw. That's an edit of any <laughs> reference, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say that John nailed it. He did call in our group, in our little group me on group me, he did call the Raptors going to the NBA Finals. And he texted me like way before the season started or something like that, that he had the Raptors going to the Finals. And they went to the Finals and they won the NBA Finals. So uh, yeah, John is the Oracle. Um, he does know what he's talking about. I mean, it's like, I, it's like I tell everybody whenever we have Alex and whenever we had, whenever I had BK on and whenever we had Manny on and we had Jalen on, um, we talked about a lot of different things when we're in, when we're in our group. It's not just, uh, football or it's not just uh, basketball. It's not just anime. Uh, we talk about everything and, and, and all of us are, are really knowledgeable, uh, about what, what it is that we, we talk about. And we have kind of like we have like different people who are knowledgeable in, in different sports. And then like, we all just kind of put it together to have just like one big conversation. I will say you and I are probably the only ones to really talk about hockey though. So that's probably the only thing there. Uh, maybe Manny, I guess. I don't remember oh, yeah. exactly, but I think I'm, he just roots for the cats because he's from that area. Yeah, it's probably it. Yeah. But beyond that, no one's talking about, you know, getting checked or <laughs> um, anything else. It's like, Oh, who won? Okay. I don't care. I will say watching the St. Louis blues win when their first title, uh, from from here on out, anyone who wins their first title is always going to mean something to me, I guess, because yeah. I watched the Eagles win their first title. Yeah. Um, and so watching the Blues win win the Stanley Cup over the Boston Bruins, also any team from Boston, whoever loses anything, um, for me, I, I, I get pretty happy about that. Yeah. So um, I know our buddy Shaq, who's a Bruins fan, yeah, did not like that very much, but I have a buddy that's a Blues fan over at Little Rock, and yeah. I did not get in contact with them <laughs> for at least 18 hours after the Blues officially won. So. Yeah. Watch, you probably had fun. Watching that was really cool, just watching the team just win their first title. Um, like I said, watching the Eagles, I, just, like, I, I know for Blues fans, it's going to feel unreal for the rest of time, Like especially like if this is the only one they win for a while. Uh, it still doesn't even feel real that the Eagles won their first Super Bowl. Like, this, like I have to like every now and then just like be like, wow, like the Eagles really won the Super Bowl. Like that is it's incredible. Um, Plus, at least with St. Louis, they probably have the template of what not to do after you win from the uh, Caps yeah. last year. And then the Eagles a couple years before that, because you know Ovechkin, well, yeah, just, Ovechkin won, and he just he went insane. <laughs> yeah, just he don't went. have your entire team get hurt, and you can you have a really strong chance to win again. That's my that's my Eagles bit. 
You know, yeah. my Eagles bit is like if the Eagles didn't have like 27 injuries, if the universe just didn't put that on us, uh, we probably would have we would have been a strong a stronger team than we were. Maybe um, if Alshon catches that pass too. Yeah, you know, yeah. if he catches that pass, yeah. you, you never know what happens. Yeah, then we won't have this also, BS rule yeah. in the oh, NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know, just really, if the Eagles don't blow that first half lead, yeah, it probably this probably doesn't happen. But it did happen, and so you can't really change it. I mean, like, regardless, it was still an amazing two years yeah. with Nick Foles, um, and now he's a Jaguar. And this is kind of what we're talking about: this miscellaneous <laughs> stuff. I don't even, I don't really know. I mean the the finals ended so long ago now, like it's just so outdated that I don't even feel the 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 need or the urge to talk about it. But it was, I mean, what an incredible finals it was, just from uh, from from the Warriors and, and from the Raptors. But I did feel a little bit bad for Clay because for one, he was going off. Yeah, in Game Six, he was tearing it up. He might have put up forty five, fifty points by yeah, the time had, the game was over. He had thirty. But he had thirty. You know, yeah, third like quarter, late third quarter, whatever it was when he got injured, and I do feel a little bit bad for him. Yeah, the injuries definitely made it really, really sucky. I think a lot of people wanted to see Golden State lose, but they didn't want to see them lose like this. Yeah. Um, especially for me, like if I'm going to watch a team like fall, I don't want to see it because of injuries. Um, but at the same time, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say like the Raptors only won because of the Warriors' injuries or like you know this was a fluke win for the Raptors. Like hell, no, I'm not gonna say that. No, yeah, I mean, the Raptors not. played their, the Raptors went through the gauntlet. They played their butts off. Um, they beat. I mean, the really the the Magic, they weren't tough, but they weren't like easy either. And then they had to go through Philadelphia. You know, after you know Philly took a two nothing lead on them, and then they had to go through Milwaukee, who had a two nothing lead on them. Um, and they won those series in both in seven and six games respectively. And then they come, you know, they come into the Warriors, uh, the final series, and and they win that in six. So like, it wasn't easy for Toronto to win this championship. And so I'm not going to say that like it was a fluke win for them. Nothing Especially just, against a Warriors yeah. team that just yeah. got done sweeping a good. Portland yeah. Trailblazers team. Nothing is nothing is fluke, especially when you have to play a series. And I know, like Golden State had all these injuries, and now Andre Iguodala is saying that uh, they diagnosed his his bone bruise, his leg bruise, as, when it was really just what it was a fractured leg. Um, but I'm still not going to make any, you know, like I'm not going to. Yes, it did affect the series. The fact that the injuries did affect the series, but that's just how the universe works. Like that's just how it plays out. Um, you can run a thousand like what if scenarios, and you you never know what's going to happen. Maybe in an in, a, in an alternate universe, the Warriors don't have any of these injuries, and they still play Toronto. And who knows? Like maybe in an alternate universe, the Warriors win. Maybe in an alternate universe, Toronto still still wins. Like you never really know. Uh, but you can't really play the what if game. You can't really worry about those kinds of things because you end up in all these like you end up basically like with the Avengers plot line and in the game. You end up with all these loopholes and, and problems in the system and then just none of it just really makes sense. So, um, but this is, yeah. Even with all the injuries, Golden State was in the series. Yeah. They were competitive. If it wasn't for Van Fleet. I mean, they had several, they had several, uh, really important leads. Um, they were in several important games. Kyle Lowry doesn't have, you know, the 22 point first half that he has in game six. And then Van Vliet doesn't come a lot for 12 points in the fourth quarter. We're maybe talking about a seven game series. Um, conversely, if you know Clay doesn't have the game four that he has or the game three that he has, um, and he when he hits the three, please don't call me. Um, you know if uh, if Clay doesn't have that that game, then maybe we're talking about something. You know, 
you just you just never know. It's, it's all the what ifs, but I mean, a, str- a strong series overall. A lot of different performances. Before I say anything, like this is going to be a miscellaneous episode. So if you're expecting this to be strictly basketball, uh, it's not going to be strictly basketball. I've got John on. I've got John on the pod. We've got to talk about some. Um, we've got to talk about some football. You know, we've got to talk about all different kinds of things. So push it for the plug. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got him on here. We might as well, we might as well do it. So, but um. Well, at least say last thing about the finals is if you would have told me that Toronto was going to win game one and then no one was going to win a home game for the rest of the series, I would have said completely BS on that. That was surprising to me. Watching the Warriors, yeah, watching the Warriors lose three straight games every, at yeah, I, I really wanted to start a thing where I went back and looked through and, and tried to see like when the last time they did that was. But I know that I would have been looking for a very long time. It's been a long time since the Warriors have lost three straight games. Um, in the postseason at home. And the last series that I could think of that they did that was in the the final series that the Cavs came back and won in seven. But even in that series, the Warriors didn't lose three straight at home. Um, that was surprising. But, you know, the, that Raptors team just showed how good they are. Uh, they weren't afraid to have a bunch of first-timers in the finals besides Kawhi and, um, and Danny Green. And, and Serge Ibaka, who I, who was with that Oklahoma City team against the Heat, I mean to have that many first timers in the finals and to have them show up and play really well, it was really key for them. Uh, it was very important, and they showed that. They showed that on the road, but it also, I mean, like Golden State on the road. I mean, they were they were they were really tough. So when they traded for Gasol, yeah. they basically shipped a Balanzunas. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah. I always mess it up. But when they got Gasol, I thought that was really underrated. I mean, everyone kind of touched on it like oh yeah it brings better relationship like yeah but this kind of solidifies everything because yeah like, Gasol uh, he's way more exper- yeah. yeah he's way more experienced he has a my opinion a better way to make shots for himself than Balancinus or let's call yeah. him V <laughs> call him V so I don't keep butchering his name but that was that probably kind of sewed it all together and at least when they won the Philadelphia series that at least in my mind, that kind of settled everything. Like, oh, they're going to win. I knew they're going to go to the finals because I didn't think the Bucks had the mental togetherness as being a playoff team yeah. enough to make it there. So I expected them to at least lose probably a semi-dramatic series. But by the time Kawhi hits that shot against the Sixers, that kind of at least in my mind said they're probably going to win the finals now. I look to be honest. I mean, you. You've listened, John, and you heard me talk. I had the Bucks going. I really just I didn't know how this Raptors team was going to be able to, to do against the Bucks, and then they implored this really strong defense against Giannis and made it tougher. And then you know everyone else from the Bucks had to beat the Raptors. I just I knew the Raptors were good defensively and they had strong, solid uh, you know perimeter defenders. I didn't know how good their perimeter defenders were until I saw them in that Buck series. Yeah. And then that really shed light on them going into the NBA Finals saying that this isn't going to be easy. And I was the only person out of me, Alex and Manny, to really give the Buck, I mean, to give the Raptors a chance. I mean, I said that the Raptors win. I mean, they're going to, they have to win in six and they won in six. Um, they did what they were supposed to do and they played the basketball that they were supposed to play. They didn't let the injuries really affect their mental state. They didn't go into any game. Um, you know, saying like, oh, they don't have they don't have Clay this game or they don't have Kevin Durant this game. Uh, they really played that really well. The news that of not knowing when Kevin Durant was going to play, they really handled that really well. I thought uh, they just approached every single game um, the same way, and they they played really hard. They, you know, they they made some big plays. Uh, even in the games that they lost, they made some big plays. 
Um, so, and there was always that one player, you know, that was, you know, Kawhi didn't have it every single game and he didn't have it maybe the last two games of that series. Um, but to see other people step up, which I thought was going to be very key to see other people step up, um, was, was really, really impressive, especially like players like Kyle Lowry, who, who I've, you know, talked about from time to time, players like Pascal Siakam, players like, players like, um, Mark Gasol, Ibaka, you know, their bench. It was really, I mean, it was really good to, to see those guys to do what they do, but, uh, the season's over now. We've had the NBA draft. John, you're a Pistons fan. Uh, I think the Pistons had one pick. They had yep. one pick, and then they they have a trade for another or something like that. Yep. Uh, how'd you how'd you feel about the the Pistons draft? Well, our drafts. Do I you know I'm, who he? Do you know who the Pistons drafted? I don't remember his name because I was so kind of wrapped up in a little bit of anything else. And the only the last a little bit the last Pistons draft I really paid attention to was a couple years ago when we took Luke Kennard. Um, and that's. I was really more paying attention to the fact that I kind of set aside the Pistons a little bit during the draft because, for one, we're paying all of our money to three people, and two of them get hurt on the regular basis, and the other one <laughs> averages 10 points and 25 rebounds, so he gets paid $25 million for some reason. But uh, beyond that, I'm mainly focused right now, because I'm a Pistons fan, I don't want to see any success go to either the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls, or the Cavs. So... I'm mainly focused on that. I can I can be in the dumps and just relive, you know, 2004 and Chauncey Billups and all that for as long as I want. <laughs> but as long as the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls and the Cavs don't do anything that can be deemed successful. So as you can imagine, I was, well, I wouldn't say upset. I was a little surprised that uh, the Pelicans actually eventually did give Anthony Davis to the Lakers, the Lakers, because for one, I thought they were just going to be stingy. Like, you know what? We're going to send him to Boston just to kind of take you guys off and he can go there next year, which LeBron would have been, you know, 40, whatever he is (laughs) like 36, whatever he is. But still, I definitely thought that uh, Gentry was going to be very stingy with trying to deal with the Lakers, which he was, but I definitely thought it was going to be a lot stingier than that. Yeah, Pistons drafted Sekou Dembuya. That's right, yeah. Um, I was not going to try. I, I was then, messing up Bellis, or, yeah, V. Yeah. Then I was not going to try and remember to pr- pronounce that one. Um, and then this Mavericks pick, the Davidas Servitas, officially traded to the Pistons. Mm-hmm. And then the Pistons made another draft in the second, uh, another pick in the second round, but he was traded to the Mavericks. Um, the they ended up with this guy Jordan Bone out of Tennessee, um, and that's that's the Pistons draft. That I do like Jordan trade. Bone though. Yeah, you're, you're a Vols fan, so I probably know he is more than yeah. say most people. But uh, he was solid for Tennessee, yeah. especially in their they're running the, the NCAA tournament and, and through the SEC. And plus, at this point, I think we just need to get just kind of warm bodies in there to find out who can do what and who can do what well. Yeah, just because we're so inconsistent as like an identity of the team and we personally in my opinion are overvaluing role playing and i don't really like that all that much yeah um as a, you can imagine being a suns fan nothing has come really that great lately uh but the, we did draft i think someone who uh is ready to play in the league cameron johnson a lot of people are ragging on this pick because he's what he's like the same age as devin booker yeah um He's 23, you know, apparently, I mean, 
he's not a point guard, um, but they they did sign two point guards, one of them being Jared Harper out of Auburn, another one, uh, the high school kid, Jalen Leckie, um, as, as free agents. But, I mean, this Cameron Johnson pick, I mean, they traded away T.J. Warren like the day before the draft or like yeah. the day of the draft. And Cameron Johnson is just going to step into T.J. Warren's place, and they have extended a qualifying offer to Kelly Oubre. Um, so they're trying to really bolster these wing spots to get Devin more scoring opportunity, you know, to get more scores around him. And I really appreciate that. Um, but I feel like they still have to make a move for a point guard. They didn't take a point guard. They traded out of the top 10 uh, with the Timberwolves who who took um, the Timberwolves at uh, at six. They took Jared Culver, who I wouldn't have minded, uh, but I just think that a point guard would have been solid. I mean, they signed these two guys, so you know we'll see what they do in summer league. Uh, but I'm not really upset about the Cameron Johnson pick as other people are. I just think that Phoenix still needs to make a move for a point guard. I will say um, at least for Phoenix, it seems to me that they're so focused on trying to find a template on yeah. what could be a contending team, whereas they just kind of recycle and redo, it seems like, every year yeah. because they're not putting in – or the players, they are, at least in my opinion, but maybe like the front office isn't putting in the effort to try and see what – the team could actually do and perform. It seems like they more often than not, they're just like pulling uh, the Sixers method from a couple of years. Yeah. Ago. And having James Jones in there, I trust James Jones. James Jones comes from a winning pedigree. He's been around LeBron James. Um, I mean, he played in the league for a really long time. So I trust his mind and what he's doing and, and really trading away TJ Warren, who I'll miss um, was really just clearing cap space for a lot of guys saying that Phoenix is going to make a run at D'Angelo Russell, who I would really, you know, appreciate having in the backcourt, Devin Booker, their friends, I think Russell is very mature. He showed what he can do uh, on an NBA team last year in Brooklyn and really for the last couple of years. I don't think he was given a fair chance in L.A., um, but I think he's matured a lot. Like I said, he and Booker friends, they just went to Greece together um, earlier this offseason. So, or I think over the all, no, yeah, early in the offseason because D'Angelo was, he was in, um, he was in Charlotte for the All-Star game this year, so. Uh, I mean, like they, they do hang out, they do communicate, and I think they have that chemistry. If they can't get D'Lo, I'm not really sure who else they can they can try to get. But, I mean, a solid draft from Phoenix uh, and, and solid move. I mean, I just at this point, I just have to see where they take it. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to get too high or get too low on these guys. Um, I trust the organization. I have to because I'm a fan, and I'm not going to be one of those people that says, like, oh, this is the last straw, like I'm taking my – fandom talents like elsewhere right um i mean regardless I have, I have to stick with what they put on the court and i'm going to support whoever they put on the court and phoenix has a solid uh, one-two punch with aiden and, and booker uh, for the foreseeable future and they just have to build around that um so cameron johnson may be a, a step in the right direction um let certainly hope so yeah i do think the league is better when the suns are good it's it's more enjoyable to watch when the suns are good i'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> for me at least i'll tell you that but we've had some um, just more in, just into the off season. We have, we've had a ton, we just, a lot of noise and, and really just Alex and Manny and, and I have been really talking about it and we'll have everyone together here Saturday when everybody comes, we do our fantasy football draft. Mm-hmm. I suspect we'll talk about basketball at some point, but, uh, it's just a lot of just noise about free agents possibly being linked to going, you know, here mm-hmm. and there for you personally. I know you said you, you like to see Boston and LA like, like fall, obviously the, the AD trade means that LA is not going to. They're going to be a lot better than they were last year. Um, I will say this at least. Um, Anthony Davis, at least in my opinion, is kind of – oh, 
he's not overrated in the sense that he's like an overrated player, but he's overrated in the sense of, uh, of the hierarchy of players that he gets put into. For one, I I can I don't think he's part of the top seven like really elite players in the league for for whatever reason. That's all I hear about. And granted, I'm probably in the minority. Yeah, but... <laughs> I would agree with that. You are in the minority. <laughs> but I I don't know for a guy that's won one playoff series in what seven eight years now. Uh, yeah, uh, for him to get all this hype just because a sweep of the the Trailblazers. Yeah, a sweep of the twer- Trailblazers. But for him to get all this hype that he's a top three or four player in the league. I just don't necessarily understand it, but I mean, that's my personal opinion. Uh, granted, I think there's other guys that have done more than him that are at least better players in my mind, but that's just me beyond that. Um, for the Lakers sake, let's hope that he actually plays because if odds are LeBron's just going to end up sitting there with that face he makes when he's not happy when Anthony Davis only plays like 50 games. Yeah, and the, meme, get, the meme face that people on the internet make and say like, oh, this dude's getting traded. Like, yeah. That, that face. Yeah. Because Anthony Davis might end up just playing like 50 games and then they might end up losing in the second round or something. Yeah, I think for the Lakers, I think things are still very unclear about who's going to fill out the rest of their roster, especially on the bench. And this trade with New Orleans really wasn't bad. I mean, New Orleans gets a very a sizable haul. They get Lonzo they get Ball. They get Brandon Ingram. They got, you know, Josh Hart. They got three first-round picks. Um, you know, then they get Zion in the draft. I mean, and they get the Lakers' fourth-round pick, who was – Yeah, um, I mean – uh, Yeah, they get the, they got their second-round pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, like, New Orleans ended up with a sizable future, and I think that's the product of David Griffin – Griffin? David Griffin stepping into the front office. And he probably told Alvin Gentry, like, look, I know you don't want to trade AD to the Lakers. I know, like, you guys don't want this, but, like, let's look at this from a purely, like, how can we get better standpoint? And them, they got some – I mean, Lonzo Ball with Drew Holiday in that backcourt is going to be really solid. Then you add Zion to the front line with Brandon Ingram, who I think is a is a growing player. And I think once you get those guys out of the spotlight, I mean, they're going to play a lot better. I mean, like, in L.A., you know, uh, their first season – it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun watching those guys because you didn't. There was just it was them, Coos, uh, Hart, who also is in New Orleans now. I mean, like that was a fun team to watch. Yeah. And then you throw LeBron in the mix, and all of a sudden everybody's under the under the LeBron limelight. They're you know the microscope's a little a little tighter on them. Of course, um, they all get butthurt when they they find out he's trying to trade the whole team. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's just a lot of things that went on. You know, I, I think this is a solid fresh start for them. And the Pelicans really came out of that trade really well. And another trade that just happened is the Trailblazers just traded for Kent Bazemore. Um, I think that's really solid. And they said that they're still looking to make more acquisitions via trades. The first thing, the first name that comes to my mind is Kevin Love. I pushed for yeah. Kevin Love going to to Portland for as about as you know as long as I can remember. A couple of months now. I think Kevin Love would be a really solid fit in Portland. What do you think? I think so too. Uh, granted, they for one, whenever. CJ McCollum decides to show up in the postseason. Uh, I think got, yeah, he had a solid postseason. He did. He did. McCollum had a really strong postseason, which is kind of surprising. He and Dame averaged every twenty. Oh, don't, for one, Damian Lillard was just absolutely killing it for. But uh, maybe the last postseason, not this past season, but the one before that, maybe the one yeah, before that. Yeah, when they got swept in, when they got swept in the the first round last year by New Orleans, uh, Dame didn't not. I mean, he had he had eighteen a game, but it was really tough. Um, yeah. It wasn't a it wasn't a pretty eighteen a game, and I think that that sort of 
people sort of said like, oh, like Dame never shows up and CJ never shows up. But I mean, this is I think at least with CJ, I just remember him like, oh, no one could stop me. And he drops like 30 and then they lose by 30 to Golden State that same series. So I think that's at least with my mentality thinking about CJ. But at least with that, they need to at least take some pressure off both of them so they can have someone to put up points. So that's not just reliant on Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. Yeah, having Nurkic get hurt too when he went yes. out with his broken leg, yeah. literally like right before the playoffs started, it really hurt. But having when you if you if they can add a guy like Kevin Love, um, who would still be under contract uh, for a couple of seasons there, um, if they can add someone like him to that front line, Kevin Love can run the floor. He can mm-hmm. space the floor. He can shoot the perimeter shot. But what Kevin Love brings that's so valuable is he's a big body in the paint, and he can rebound, which is what they really needed. And Kevin Love isn't a half-bad defender. He's not. Um, you, can, you can really mix in. He can run the five if you want to rest Nurkic, especially if you, you know, uh, if you want to limit his minutes next year or whatever. I mean, like, you can really split their minutes up. And, and Kevin Love, I know he's older, so like, but I think he's still very effective. Um, I think he would fit. I mean, he's from that area. I think he would fit great. Uh, he would be a perfect fit to what Dame and CJ could do. I mean, they could pass him the ball in the post. They can run some more off-ball action. CJ's, I mean, CJ runs the floor. He runs, I think, on on average every night, he runs, like, the, the most on the basketball court. Like, he leads the league in, like, miles, like, miles run on the basketball court every single night. Plus, at least with Kevin Love, at least evidence with this last Golden State series uh, for the Trailblazers, they needed someone to help close out yeah I and mean, put points on the, the board. problem for portland was the problem for portland wasn't scoring and keeping up with golden state they they clearly did that yeah the problem was holding the leads and, and and stopping this warriors run and when they started doubling dame late in the series and like making it tougher for those guys to score like they didn't have a, another option i mean like kevin love at least has the experience of yeah. helping to close out games and his canner is solid but he doesn't have he doesn't stretch the floor like you would want right um I mean, like Kevin Love would would be that for for Portland, but they do make the trade for Kent Bazemore, who does bring along perimeter defense. He can shoot from outside, uh, which is an upgrade. If they, I don't know what Rodney Hood's contract situation is. I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but this helps them. Um, Kent Bazemore can start. He could come off the bench. Um, I mean, he just it's it's a plus, and they lose Evan Turner in that trade because he does go back to Atlanta. But I think Bazemore is an upgrade from Evan Turner because Bazemore he offers more for for this team. Um, but Sunday's the, the day that it opens up for free agency for the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to get wild. It's going to get, it's going to get crazy in here. Um, I'm just I waiting to excited. see what happens. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know if it's a rumor or anything, anything, anything Woj puts out seems to be like either a rumor or a statement of fact, there's no in between, but, um, the little report that got put out uh, maybe yesterday, a couple of days ago about Kawhi possibly looking into the Mavericks intrigued me quite a bit just because I'm just picturing it in my head, you know, yeah. with Luca, Kristaps and Kawhi all on that team. That- I want to think about, yeah. Like when I think about a team, obviously Kawhi going to any team makes that team better. Yeah. Um, but when you think about a Kawhi team with Luca and Kristaps, that, figure Jalen who's a Mavs fan is probably yeah. just like salivating at the mouth or something I mean that would be that would present some challenges for some other teams because you've got Luka who can slash mm-hmm. and shoot you've got Kawhi I mean you saw what he did in the finals yeah I'd the, wager that team might be seat. the favorite in a year where Golden State's going to be hobbled yeah I just 
I mean, like that. And then you in have theory, Chris. Anyway. And then, yeah, and you have Chris Stapps who stretches the floor, who's a freak of nature. Yeah. Uh, who seems to be like the second coming of Dirk. Uh, I mean, like that, that would be, that would be, I don't even, I don't even know how to wrap my head around a Kawhi like Mavericks team just because like, I don't think people have really looked at the Mavericks roster and, and really like seen like what they have. Mm. Um, so like, it's really just like, like out of there, like out of their minds. Um, I would, I know I would definitely have to look at their roster some more, but just knowing who they have and who they would have coming back, Luca, Chris Dapson, Kawhi, I mean, that's a formidable big three. Uh, when you look at, I mean, they can play defense. Luca mm-hmm. is a six, eight point guard or guard slash forward who can guard the, you know, Kawhi can guard any position. Chris Stapps is, you know, he can guard any position. Chris Stapps is a freaking skyscraper. Yeah. I mean, I know he's coming back from a, a torn ACL. But if he can return to what he was before he tore his ACL, I mean, like, it's going to be – it would be dangerous for, for Dallas to have a Kawhi like that, leading that big three. That, that being be- said, though, I do not think Kawhi should leave Toronto. I mean, he basically – you know, they sacrificed DeMar DeRozan, and yeah. he comes into Toronto, and they win a title in their first year. And I think that's that's the ultimate sales pitch. Yeah, He, I- he can go and he compete with anybody. I mean, granted, you know, Golden State was hobbled, you know, but still, they're still a very competitive team, even if they're hobbled. Steph can always chuck it up from you know fifty-seven. Yeah, Steph had a fifty. Out. I mean, Steph had forty-seven without Clay and Durant, and they. I mean, they lost by almost twenty. But I mean, like Steph, and he had he averaged thirty for the series, even with Clay missing, you know, a full game and then missing the half, you know, another half of, of game six. Plus, they have this experience now, and in a year where all likeliness, Golden State is going to be basically Stephen Curry and then everyone else around them because it's, you know, odds aren't likely that both Kevin Durant, if they resign him and clay, if they resign him are going to play that year, if not the whole year, maybe some of it, but yeah. in a year where golden state, who was normally the clear favorite is going to be kind of off the table. Toronto has the experience. They literally just won a title. Any team that they face in the finals is going to be more or less kind of a novice as far as that kind of postseason experience. I mean, granted, Kawhi can – I think they could beat the Rockets in the finals. Granted, I don't think the Rockets are going to make the finals because that kind of play doesn't win. But uh, And for whatever reason, LeBron has terrible fits every the both times he's played Kawhi in the finals. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off because we're about to hit the 30-minute mark. We'll pick this up in uh, our second segment. We're back. Before we were cut off, John was talking about – Rocket style of play never wins, and he feels like this Toronto team, if they can re-sign Kawhi, would have an advantage. And then he started talking about the Lakers. John, you can finish your Lakers thought. Right. So LeBron, for whatever reason, tends to have problems with Kawhi in at least the two finals they played together. Granted, he squeaked one out in the first one, but when they came back the very next year – Thank you, Ray Allen. Yeah, thank you, Ray Allen. But when they came back, same matchup very next year, the Spurs dominated him. It's because of basically Kawhi. That's why he got finals MVP that year. But I honestly think – in this kind of, we'll call it a transition year, Kawhi and the Raptors, if he stays with Toronto, are going to be more or less favorites over someone else in the West just because Kawhi is the best defender in the league and he gives anyone fits. And there's not really a team in the West right now that has everyone on the roster with kind of, you know, really deep postseason experience. Anthony Davis has made it to the second round. LeBron is the only one that's been to the finals um, besides James Harden. But that's just 
one person on each team. They don't have a whole team that has that kind of experience. And I wouldn't doubt Toronto being able to just take another title uh, with Golden State being hobbled. Yeah, this – we are in – I want to actually compare this to, like, the two years that we didn't have Jordan when he retired the first time. Yeah. When the Rockets won back-to-back finals when they beat, you know – I came to dream. Uh, the Knicks and they they beat the Knicks and they beat Shaq and his young Magic team. Mm-hmm. Except like this is like, all right, LeBron leaves the Eastern Conference, so that's wide open. Toronto suddenly appears and they rise to the top. Mm-hmm. Now, like we unfortunately have the injuries to to, to the Golden State players, and so we don't really know what the West is going to be like. Um, we we figure if if the Raptors can re-sign Kawhi, they re-up with Marc Gasol. All right, which is a very positive thing for Toronto. Yeah. It at least gives I mean he opts into his contract so he doesn't even he doesn't opt out to become a free agent. He just opts into his 24 million uh to save them so they can I mean Kawhi is eligible for the max. Um there've been you know whispers that Kawhi is strongly considering returning to Toronto. Um if Margasol's if Margasol opting into his contract is any indication of that that's really solid. It's, it's, it's like you said, it makes Toronto, I mean, the very, I mean, the clear cut favorite because of what they have returning. I mean, they're going to have Kyle Lowry. They're going to have Gasol. They're going to have Kawhi. They're going to have uh, guys like Norman Powell. Van Vliet's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to get OG and Unimi back who didn't even play in the playoffs because of uh, because of an appendectomy. And really, he's another one of their, you know, they're really strong defenders, and he was just picking up his offensive play. So when you look at Toronto, they are strong, and they could very well return to the NBA Finals next year. Plus, I think, at least with the West, there's so many good teams in that side of the of the league that yeah. they're just going to beat each other up. And Toronto, I mean, they're not going to have a cakewalk. They're no, probably, for Toronto, I mean, for the Eastern probably Conference, it's too. very well probably going to be the same. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Toronto. Yeah. They'll probably then, have to go seven games with the Bucks yeah. this year if they make it to the conference finals, um, which granted the Bucks could win that. They could not, but if Toronto does make it back, I think a West team is going to be really beaten up because uh, let's play devil's advocate. Say the Lakers go. The Lakers would more or less have to go through at least um, if the Warriors do make the playoffs, a team with just Steph Curry, who at least at this point is still a two-time MVP and is still deadly from anywhere on the court, they'd have to go through a Rockets team yeah. who is a little bit older, they'd have to go to through a Nuggets team who could probably contend for being a top seed. Nuggets are really strong. I think teams who are going to – if we're looking at it right now, um, I mean, I guess obviously you have to put the Lakers as one of the, the favorites because they do have LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. But I'm looking at teams like Portland, yeah, teams Portland. like Denver, mm-hmm. um, you know those teams are, are really strong and they're really solid. One through one through whatever their wherever their rotation ends. Depending on what the Mavericks um, do, they could be a dangerous. Yeah, team. I mean, depending on, I mean, you've got the Mavericks. You've got um, depending on what the Timberwolves do, yeah. they may be able to make some noise. They've been sort of disappointing with their stars and their players. I think Utah can surprise some people um, too. Yeah, Utah makes the trade for Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. That is, you know. I mean, Conley, you trade – Conley's a strong defender in his own right, number one. Yeah. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, he scores, so he scores better than Rubio. Yeah. He's he's about as solid a defender as Rubio. Um, Conley, he has playmaking ability, so it's not just like you're losing all these things by not having Ricky Rubio. 
You pair Conley up with Donovan. I think that's a nice – Donovan doesn't have to do so much. Donovan's still right. young. Um, he's, what, like 23? Mm. He, I mean, like, yeah, he's a franchise player, but there's no reason for him to have to put everything on his back, you know? Exactly. I mean, he struggled the last two playoffs against whenever they played against the Rockets, mm. and they've really put him through the grinder. Um, and he played really well in his second year in the league. But to have a guy like Mike Conley be able to take some pressure off, you have Conley who can score, you have Ingles who can score, Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Um, so you're helping out Donovan Mitchell a lot uh, with with this Mike Conley trade. Um, so, I mean, like Utah is going to be vastly improved. This, yeah, I mean, this Western Conference isn't going to be easy. I, mean, I wouldn't like, be surprised to see, like, the Kings – make a push because they had a little yeah, strong Sacramento, stretch. Yeah, they had a really – Sacramento was really strong. Um, they had a really, really impressive year. They may have been, you know, ahead of their – ahead of their, you know, their their progression mm-hmm. uh, where they were supposed to be, but they still had a really solid year. Yeah. And they – I mean, yeah, they had a solid draft. They, they got some strong players. Um, they signed some strong free agents. They – I mean, if – who knows – who knows where this Sacramento team could be. Um when the, when the season starts. So you just never really know at this Western conference, the Eastern conference. Yeah. Sort of maybe uh, you can figure out who's going to be towards the top and, and who can come back. Uh, but everything hinges. So when Sunday gets here and, and free agency opens up officially, a lot of moves are going to be made. And it's, a lot of these things are going to be uh, a lot of these ideas are going to be repositioned elsewhere. And you're going to have to think about some different mm-hmm. things. But if you're just looking into the speculation of where some guys might go, um, just not even thinking about guys like Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant this year or, or next year because um, their impact won't be – it might be strongly felt because of, you know, the money that it's going to be taken up, but their impact on the court may not be strongly felt, especially not Kevin Durant. Right. Um, with Clay Thompson, maybe because he could be back by, like, March, they said. Um, I mean, it's, it's an 8- to 12-month recovery within, with an ACL and I would I would much rather Clay miss an entire season than try to like oh yeah come you know come back when you know try to do something that uh, could put him in danger. So also um, plus at least with the Warriors, say they do resign both of them, yeah, they'd probably just be in the same position they were in this year, which is they have all this talent, but once injuries start, you have no depth. So that's something they kind yeah, of I mean, think like, about. You Unless signed the, both of them to the max. Um, that's essentially you're almost over the max or over the cap anyway, with just those three players because Steph still has the contract and then Draymond gets a supposedly gets a deal next year when it's his contract year. And then beyond that, where, where's the depth going to come in? You're going to be over the cap. You're going to have to find people that you can pay. Just Livingston and guys like Livingston and Iguodala only have so much time left. I think Iguodala, this is last year. Um, Livingston's coming towards the end of his time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, if they maybe bring back some yeah. older players that are familiar with the system, like they did with Bogut this year, um, wherever Harrison Barnes is now, maybe bring him back. He's at least familiar. Yeah, maybe not for forty million dollars. Oh, definitely not for forty <laughs> million. But try and lowball him. Um, I doubt anyone is going to pull a boogie and be like, "Hey, I'll play for you know next to nothing for a quick and easy trip to the finals." Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting when Sunday gets here. Um, it's, we're gonna have to. I know, like I've been slacking these last couple of weeks. So I'll probably have to pick it back up really, really fast and pay attention to, to things that are going on. I mean, it's just I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears because I mean, like it has been like a long two weeks, and I mean, like baseball season is ramping up, mm-hmm. and we I mean we're we're actually at the halfway point at least for the Braves. The Braves played their 81st game last night um, against the Cubs, and so they're now officially at the halfway point. I mean, like 
football training camp is around the, is around the corner. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just like, we've got so many things coming up. We've got so many things happening right now. It's just, I just wanted to break from basketball. Yeah. Um, the I mean, the big, season was so long. The one big last thing, at least with uh, basketball, don't be surprised if as soon as six o'clock hits, maybe, maybe, maybe a whole minute, maybe 10 seconds, whatever. Don't be surprised if the Warriors just drop an offer to clay immediately. Yeah. Cause I, if anything, I feel like they, they could let Kevin Durant walk, but they need to get Clay back. They need one of them for sure. Yeah, they need one of them for sure because it helps Steph out. Um, Especially and, Clay being a number two is a lot better than Clay being a number three. Yeah, and if Kevin Durant comes back, he'll be the number one. And Steph will be delegated to number two. Which, granted, you know that's that's worked, but they've also had Clay. They've also had Draymond. Yeah. I think you saw what the Warriors. You saw what the Warriors used to be when they didn't have Kevin Durant and they had Clay and Steph. A lot more ball movement. Yeah. And I mean, like, there's a lot more open fire. looks, especially with Clay. Who they were just, insane. Seems like sometimes Clay just gets the ball and it's like a, a channel. He just kind of forces it. He's like a Jedi. Just you know what I feel like? There. Sometimes, like, when Clay has the ball in his hands, it's kind of like, um, how can I liken this? I want to use, like, a. When Clay has the ball, like, sometimes it's, it's like watching. Um, dang, like, I can't really think of. Just like an unstoppable, like an unstoppable character. Yeah. Just like OP. Yeah. Uh, like One Punch Man or something. Oh, yeah. It's like just, you just really just kind of like wait and watch for him just kind of like do something amazing. And you just go like, oh, this is Clay. Plus, if Kevin Durant leaves, that brings in the return for MVP Steph, who oh, is yeah. a god amongst men. Yeah. And I don't know. Just the Warriors, it's going to be interesting. Sunday's going to be really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but switching gears, we are going to have our fantasy football draft this Saturday. It's going down here in my apartment. We're going to have people here. We tried to do a live, an actual draft, but some people who should not be named can't make it. Uh, and I'll they call them out. They're complaining. <laughs> <laughs> they're complaining, and they want an actual snake draft like we've been doing. But we're doing the draft this Saturday. We're having people here. We're going to have a good time. John, this NFL season is coming up. All right. We're tired of the Patriots winning. Obviously, very obvious. Very much. <laughs> Tell me about. We're tired it. of it, John. Give me. What do you think? I mean, like, barring anything crazy happening, like injuries for for you know, because it just happens. But mm-hmm. we just, if injuries didn't exist, what what do you what are you thinking? What like what's what's your mindset going into this NFL season? You're a Ravens fan. Oh yeah. Well, for one, um, at least this might finally be the year we see the Patriots don't get a bye. And I only say that because I doubt the Tyree Kill situation is going to slow down Patrick Mahomes too much. He's probably not going to put up 50 touchdowns. They, tr- they actually drafted someone who could fit right into his spot. Exactly, and they still do have Sammy Watkins. So if Sammy Watkins has a full season healthy, yes, and of course Travis Kelsey, and they're probably going to use uh, some of the running backs a little bit more or get him trained So because they don't have Kareem Hunt. It's not going to be a big drop-off as far as the running game goes. He might have, you know, Top or high 30s and touchdowns or something. It's not going to be 50 again, again because people know what he does and all that. But I don't expect too much of a drop-off. And from the, the Madden curse. And the Madden curse. Yes, and the Madden curse. I don't expect too much of a drop-off from the Chiefs. They should still get a buy, in my opinion. I think the Colts are going to get the other buy because they are definitely not going to start out 1-5 again. Oh, Alex. I just heard Alex scream, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely expect the Colts to get a buy because a second year from Darius Leonard um, – a better attack the receiver they got in the draft. It's going to take a lot of pressure off of T.Y. Hilton. 
Um, Eric Ebron, for whatever reason, with Andrew Luck, is a just all he does is catch touchdowns. Eric Ebron's going to be my first tight end. Plus, I really like to see what Marlon Mack is going to do with another full season. I think he's going to improve. But I fully expect the Chiefs and the Colts to get the buys, which if that's the case, that means New England gets a wild card round. And anytime New England gets a wild card round game, they tend to lose in either the first game or the second game. The only times I think they've been in the wild card and they made it to the championship game was in 2006, where, uh, of course, they, yeah, they beat the Chargers on the road in San Diego. Um, and they lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants. No. Actually, that's when they lost. That's when they lost in the championship game to the Colts. Oh, that was the big comeback game with Peyton. Oh, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I don't know what I was thinking about. Yeah. I think that's the only time they've really made it that far, which is good. And also, granted, like there's a lot of there's a lot of teams in the AFC that could contend for a wild card spot that could give the Patriots fits or another wild card team fits. The entire AFC North is effing ridiculous, um, especially the. <laughs> Except the Bengals. Except the Bengals. <laughs> but like now the Browns are, are doing the thing here. We're not really sure what, what it is because we've never seen it from the Browns before. Um, or at least like in our literal lifetimes, we haven't seen it from the Browns. At least mm-hmm. I'm not old enough to have seen this from the Browns. The Brown the Browns are doing a thing here. They make the trade for OBJ. They had a solid draft. All right. They've got Denzel Ward, they've got Greedy Williams at cornerback. And they have Demarius Randall, right? Um, you know what they have on offense. They've got Baker. They've got OBJ. They've got Juice. Um, they've got Njoku at tight end. Yeah. As I mean, I know you don't want to give them too much props because they play in the AFC North with the Ravens. But this Browns team, how? I mean, they finished six, what, six, seven, and one last year. Seven, eight, seven, one, eight, something, one. Something like that. Um, how dangerous do you think this Browns team can be? They can be very dangerous just based on their offensive loan. Uh, depending on who they get at D.C., I don't remember who they yeah. brought in exactly, but their defense is very You know good. what? I didn't even name Miles Garrett or, or Kirk Seed. Exactly. Their defense can play, uh, as, especially with Denzel Ward showing. Or Sheldon Williams. A, exactly. Or they Ricky got a, another corner in the draft to go opposite Denzel Ward. Yeah, he plays even just like a fraction of what Denzel Ward played last year. They're going to have great cover guys. They are going to have good uh, pass rush. They're going to they have a decent linebacking core. Their team all around is going to be very good, but the offense is really what's going to stand out, especially with teams that aren't really expecting it or teams that aren't as prepared as some other teams. Uh, I'm not on the bandwagon so far as to say like they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Do you but think they can steal a wild card spot? They can definitely steal a wild card spot. I actually think the Browns may squeak out a division win. It's going to be between them and the Steelers. The Steelers are going to do typical typical Steelers stuff. They're going to be or they're going to take all this kind of under the radar, aloof like, "Oh, the Steelers lost all this and they're going to win like 10-11 games." And they're going to be in contention for the division win. It's really going to come down to those games that they play against each other. Uh, I doubt very much the Steelers are going to lose to the Bengals. I doubt very much the Browns are going to lose to the Bengals. But depending on where they win and the matchup against the Ravens and themselves is going to depend on who wins the division. I think the Browns might get it, but it's going to be tough, especially because the Steelers have the experience and the Browns are really just a new flashy team. But I would not be surprised if the Browns end up winning the division. I know when you had Jalen on a couple months ago, he mentioned that, you know, I've been talking about this day for a long time. Yeah. I mean, a long time. I knew this was going to come because it always seems to happen. There's always a changing of the guard 
in divisions, in a conference, all that kind of stuff. And I knew the Browns eventually were going to get good again. This is going to be, hopefully, the first year we actually see them be really good, which, fortunately for me, means I'm going to hate them a lot more than I used to <laughs> the last couple of years. But um, the Browns, also, at least with the Browns, I would love to see them rekindle their rivalry with the Broncos. I know they played the Broncos last year. I don't remember if it was a Sunday night game or whatever. It was. Well, I think a Thursday I night. I think it was a, it was a Monday night game. Was it? It was a great game. I mean, the uh, Browns in the winning 17 to 16, yeah. but it was a great game. I love to see that rivalry kind of rekindled just to kind of bring back old memories of, you know, the Browns and the Broncos playing in three AFC championship games in four years in the eighties when they still had, or the Broncos had Elway and the Browns had uh, Bernie Kosar and cardiac kids and all that yeah. stuff. But I would definitely expect to see the Browns contending for the division and the Steelers. The Ravens are going to be around for division contention and also wildcard contention because since every year since 2008, since John Harbaugh got there, that's what they've been. They've been contenders. They've always been in the mix, whether they've you know broken yeah. through that barrier or not remains to be seen, excluding 2015 where just injuries galore happened. They've always been in that kind of mix, so they can make a push for the spot. I think they're going to lose out. Uh, just because of tiebreakers, there's a couple teams in the AFC that really can flirt with a wild card position, um, and there's a couple that are just kind of they can either be six and ten or they can be ten and six. It's really tricky. But as far as like the big four or the big three, at least with the Patriots, Chiefs, and Colts, I think they'll be fine, division leaders. But don't be surprised if the Patriots get a wild card round, and if they do, depending on who they play, don't be surprised if they lose that wild card round. And then in the AFC, like, what are some teams? What are some teams that you think could really like mess some stuff up? Like, they may not make the playoffs, but they could ruin it for you. Like, your well, favorite team? My favorite team to ruin it for me? Or no, 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 no. Like, um, like if you to were kind of like if you were a fan, like if I were a fan of the like the Chargers mm. or something like that, or if I were a fan of like um, the Texans, like could a team like the Titans or could a team like the Raiders? Like really, like or like the Dolphins, like could they really like ruin it for me? If the Texans don't protect Deshaun Watson, they won't contend seriously. That's been the whole thing. He got sacked sixty times yeah. last year, or something like that. The That's, most, I think, the most in the league. Exactly. That's why they lost that game against the Colts in the wild card round. They couldn't compete. So if they don't shore up the offensive line, it's not going to matter what they do in the regular season because they're going to game plan or their opponent's going to game plan for them in the postseason. And especially if they play a team that likes to use a lot of stunts, like New England or Pittsburgh or even Baltimore, that's that's not going to do well. I mean, we saw what stunts did against the Rams offensive line in the Super Bowl. Yeah, That's a Belichick staple, but and yet still you had Trey Flowers and all these guys just coming in out of nowhere and knocking Jared Goff around. But it really comes up to the O-line for the Texans. As far as the Chargers, I think Melvin Ingram kind of, uh, jinxed him a little bit when he said they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't believe that for a second. They might be right up there with the Chiefs, kind of contending for the division again, yeah. but I think they're going to be a little bit too high on themselves. I think they kind of jinxed themselves a little bit. Don't be surprised if they kind of float around 500, maybe 10 and 6, at least with the AFC West. The other three teams besides the Chiefs could mess up a lot of playoff seeding. The Raiders, I don't think they're good enough to be like really good or contend for a division title, but they can mess up a lot of stuff. Um, 
The Broncos are one of those teams that I mentioned that could they can either be six and ten, which would be a repeat of this past year, or they can be ten and six. It's really tricky. It really just depends on how the defense plays, which is still a pretty solid unit, and of course how Joe Flacco plays. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Flacco and how you thought he fit. I thought, well, for one, their system is a lot like Kubiak's system. And for the one year Kubiak was the offensive coordinator in Baltimore in 2014, it was best. It was Joe's best year statistically. And we came within two blown 14-point leads of beating the Patriots in the divisional round, which means we probably would have lost the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. But, <laughs> you know, going there, that's a whole different story. But depending on whether or not Joe Flacco is healthy, and depending on whether or not he develops chemistry early and often with his receivers is going to depend on whether or not they actually make that jump from six and 10 to 10 and six. And also at least with Denver, same thing with the Texans, the offensive line, if that unit stays kind of nice and consistent, they should be fine. They should contend. Maybe they'll break through and get a wild card spot. Maybe not, but definitely with the zone blocking scheme, they're kind of implementing. It should be a lot easier to keep the running game going, take pressure off Joe, especially if they get injuries to the receivers like they did last year. And Emmanuel Sanders is in his 30s. Um, We don't know for sure if Cortland Sutton is going to make that big jump or if the other guy, um, Hamilton, is going to make that big jump. But And Sanders coming back from the Achilles, right? Yep, Achilles. Yeah. Um, That was – just, I don't, the AFC is always interesting to me because I'm just always looking for that one team that's going to beat New England. Mm-hmm. Um, we got we got really close last year. We got really close. If the Chiefs just had run the ball or whatever in the second half, or if D four doesn't go, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, he doesn't jump off sides, yeah. <laughs> they win the game. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I'm just always looking for that one team that's going to give New England a challenge. It's hard to find a team that gives New England a challenge because there's only been really specific teams or types of teams that have been able to do it. There's a reason they only have 10 playoff losses in the entire tenure of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. That's the three Super Bowl losses, of course. And then beyond that, they've lost to Manning, Peyton Manning team. They've lost to the Baltimore Ravens when they had Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh and so Ray Lewis and all them twice. If you ask me, they should have lost all four times we played in the playoffs, but that's another story. And then also they lost to a Jets team that was really physical in 2010. The Sanchez. Yeah, the Sanchez. And that was with Rex Ryan. Before and, the butt fumble. Right. Yeah, two years before that. But there's a certain type of team that beats New England, and it's a team, for one, that gets interior pressure. That's why the Giants beat them in the Super Bowl because of their NASCAR package. They would take guys like Uinura or Justin Tuck or – Jason Pierre-Paul before he blew off his hand or Michael Strahan. And they, you know, put him on the inside where the defensive tackles and all that are usually supposed to be. And they would mix it up. You have to get, they say it all the time. You have to get Tom Brady off his spot. And his spot is when he can move up in the pocket. You don't see Tom Brady scramble because for one, he's really slow, but also for one, he doesn't need to scramble because he knows where everything is. He knows what read he needs to go to. But if you get interior pressure, that's when you get to him. That's when you get him frazzled. That's when you get him kind of, you put the pressure on him. That's when he starts to dictate his play based on how the game is going. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the the NFC too. Of course, we have five minutes left here, and I think that's going to spill over. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the NFC, and we're going to talk about some other things, uh, especially like quarterback tiers, because that's been a really hot thing on the internet. It's been a really trash thing on the internet. Um, Straight garbage. <laughs> so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hit the rest 
of the podcast. So check the scoreboard. More stuff is coming up after this. And we're back. Back with uh, part three here of episode 37 of Check the Scoreboard Podcast. It's been so long, I forgot what episode we were on. But thanks to John, a loyal, a loyal listener, he reminded me that this is indeed episode 37 and not episode 38. Uh, but part three, before we before we went to break, I said we want we were going to talk about the NFC here. Um, NFC, obviously, I'm always going to pick the Eagles. Mm. I mean, like that's just what I do. No, yeah, and I have more reason to pick the Eagles mm. recently because we're actually a solid football team. Um, getting Carson Wentz back. And I, you know, we signed him to the extension, and I understand everybody's um, their caution with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carson hasn't played a full season in his three years. In fact, uh, I mean, the closest that he got was was in the Super Bowl winning season, his second year, when he was just absolutely on fire and still threw a touchdown pass with a torn ACL. Um, something that a lot of people's favorite quarterbacks haven't done. Um, but I understand that I understand the questions, you know, Carson Wentz isn't healthy and all that thing and all that stuff. But I felt like we have our franchise quarterback. We have to lock him down. Um, we have to protect him. We have to show him that we believe in him because when he did play our Super Bowl winning season, he was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was able to just focus on that full offseason where he could work on his footwork, you know, get, you know, get his feet in places that they were supposed to be, he was really good. And last year he missed a ton of passes that he would have connected on the year before. And mm-hmm. that was because um, he spent the off season, you know, working on his knee and rehabbing his knee. Mm-hmm. And he didn't get, yeah. I mean, he yeah. didn't get to work on that footwork. And so now he said that he's back to doing those kinds of things. I'm confident we make the trade for Jordan Howard, who mm-hmm. I still forget. We have I'm confident. <laughs> we drafted a running back. I'm confident. We, you know, we, we, we drafted Jason Peters replacement. I'm confident, mm-hmm. even though Peters won't retire. <laughs> Um, you know, Chris Long retires on the defensive side of the ball, but we re- we re-signed Brandon Graham. Mm-hmm. We traded for Malik Jackson. We bring back um we brought back, you know, Vinny Curry. We're supposed to get back, you know, McLeod and 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 Darby and, yeah. and people like that. Yeah. So I'm fairly confident in our in our overall team's ability to to put up good football because we made it to uh, you know, we, we were we came with to within a half of basically going to play the Rams again, and I have confidence that we would have beaten the Rams. Oh yeah, if we would have had to go to LA to play them in the in the championship game. I mean, that's just what it is. I would have had confidence. Um, so I'm very confident in this Eagles team, but I know that no team has won the division in back to back years, which mm-hmm. is also why I'm confident uh, in the NFC East. Uh, I know that Washington's gotten better with their draft, and I know that Dallas is sort of Dallas still. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have Zeke and they have Dak. And, and I think having uh, Kellen Moore become the OC makes them really dangerous on the offensive side of the ball because he knows what kind of offense that they can run. He knows what kind of player Dak is. And so um, he can get Dak back into his element. But I'm always confident as an Eagles fan. Um, but when I look around, I mean, obviously there's teams like New Orleans, there's L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Seattle is always a thorn in our side. And we have to play like Green Bay. And I know Green Bay's not going to suck for forever. I saw like on NFL Network, um, I was text, I was texting Jalen. I said this dude picked the the Packers to go six and ten. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I just, I just we'll know that. that. We'll I that. just know that under Aaron Rodgers, they're not, they're not going to have too many, too many bad seasons. So, uh, I mean, the NFC is always is always tough. And if the Eagles can come out again, 
I like our schedule. I think it's solid. We play a lot of tough teams. We play the Patriots. We play the you know we play the Falcons again. We've mm-hmm. got the Packers. Um, of course, we've got our division games. Uh, you know, we play the Vikings again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's tough. Yeah, and we you know I think we run through the uh, the AFC East. Um, I mean, yeah. it's tough, but I, I like our chances. I will say at least like the Eagles to win the division. Yeah, my favorite for the NFC is the Bears, though. Yeah. We Just, do. We do have to play Chicago yeah. again too. I will also say at least um, with Washington essentially being the either make or break year this year yeah. for Jay Gruden, uh, they're probably going to panic a good bit. They, I fully expect Case Keenum to win their quarterback battle, and you know training camp and all yeah. that in the preseason. But you know. The second they go on like a two-game losing streak, or they lose back-to-back games, or they lose a tough one, they're going to be clamoring for the rookie and Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I think if they yeah. had their season goes to crap, Haskins yeah. is going to get some PT. Yeah. Sort of kind of like what I think the Giants have to do if their season doesn't if their season doesn't pan out. I think you'll probably see Daniel Jones step in and yeah. he'll start to get some looks. The other side with the Giants, at least, is with Washington. They're going to wait until they lose like a couple games. Yeah, and I do think Dwayne Haskins needs to sit the full year. Granted, I thought Lamar Jackson needed to sit the full year last year, and you know, then Joe got hurt, and mm-hmm. then they all turned on him. So <laughs> yeah, that's not a good there. But um, I think he needs to sit. Um, which, granted, hopefully Dan Snyder isn't going to be uh, stingy about it, and he lets you know Jay Gruden kind of like say, "Hey, this is our offense." Kind of get him in the mold and all that, and then plus you'll have another chance to maybe fill out some positions around him, get more people on the team. But as far as the Giants go, the Giants are going to be clamoring for Daniel Jones as soon as Eli throws the first interception. Yeah. As soon as he does it, they're going to be like, oh, put the rookie in, which is just going to lead to more chaos. And honestly, I feel like the Giants might – I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or anything, but they might screw around and just, like, mess up teams' ideas and dreams and all that. Like, they could – depending if everything goes right, the Giants could end up with a 500 record. The Giants really didn't have a bad season last year. They came with – a couple of games, they came within winning and losing by a couple yeah. of possessions, like one or two possessions. And they've got Saquon. Yeah. Their only negative is they traded OBJ after signing him to a massive contract, which I still can't wrap my head around. Um, if if you weren't gonna, if you were gonna trade him, should have traded him. Yeah. Um, if you're if you said you you weren't gonna trade him and you signed him to this contract, you have to. I mean, I, I was confused. I don't know, just whatever is happening with him is really confusing, but. Um, I mean, they are a dangerous team always. The, the Giants and no NFC East team is is easy to beat, especially twice. And the Eagles, you know, um, they you know, even in even in their best years, you know, these last couple of years, they haven't you know they got swept by Dallas last year. Yeah. Um, but they beat everyone else. And then the year before, you know, this, our Super Bowl year. Granted, we pulled all our starters in the last game. Mm-hmm. We still lose to Dallas, so we don't even – I mean, we essentially swept the division, but, you know, we didn't sweep the division. Right. But none of those games were easy. That Giants game, the, our, you know, that Giants game was tough. The first Redskins game was tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first Dallas game was tough until a, a certain point in the second half. So, uh, it's always t- – but just, like, teams like Seattle, Green Bay – the Saints, they're always going to be there, especially as long as Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers are quarterbacks. At least going back to the Giants. The Giants, if they get everything kind of working right, you know, don't overfeed Saquon, yeah. but, you know, make him the, at least the focal point. They have good rack guys or run-after-catch guys and Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard when he's not hurt. 
So they they've got Evan Ingram at tight end, who's yeah, basically a wide receiver. Which, granted, if they're going to make, I'd say they need to stop putting Evan Ingram on the inside and keep him just spread out or something because he's not big enough to. He might chip, but I don't think it's going to be a very good chip. Yeah, to kind of help deter pass rush, uh, but they should be able to take a little bit of pressure off of Eli with second year of Saquon and also get some quick passes out. Golden Tate is probably the best rack receiver in the league for the last five years. He's always been great. So at least I expect them to just mess with teams' goals. I don't expect them to contend or anything, but I fully expect them to get an upset here or there. As far as Dallas, Dallas has a lot of games where they go on the road into tough environments, and I think that's going to play a huge part on how they finish the season. I still don't think they're going to win the division, which I have the Eagles winning. And I have the Eagles as the only representation from the NFC East making the playoffs. Yeah. But depending on how Dallas plays those really tough away games, like they have to go to New England. I believe they go to Soldier Field. I think they have to go um, – I think they – it's either they go to L.A. or L.A. comes to them. But either way, L.A. can play anywhere because their stadium is basically an away stadium anyway. Yeah. But Dallas has some really tough games on the road that's really going to – kind of affect how their schedule plays out. And on the inverse, the Eagles have those same games at home, which is kind of what's going to help them play out a little bit better. Like you guys have the Patriots, but the Patriots come right, to Philly. Home, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to – Maybe you look at Dallas. Yeah. Looking at Dallas' schedule, they open they open up at home against the Giants and then they're on the road uh, for the Redskins. Mm-hmm. And then they've got the Dolphins at home. And then they're on the road for the Saints. They've got the Packers at home. And then they're on the road for the Jets. So it's kind of like – Flip and flop, yeah. back and forth. And then Man, but Dallas might yeah. start out strong, but they're going to start hitting some big heavy hitters, especially in the last like six weeks of the season. That's where all the real hard stuff comes in. That's where they get in the real big long stretch. Yeah, uh, their last out of their last eight games, they've got the Vikings, the Patriots, the Rams, the Bears, the Eagles, and they round out their season with the Redskins. So. And depending on which Vikings team decides to show up this year, is going to depend on whether Dallas wins that game or not. Yeah, uh, I just. It's not going to be easy, um, but I, I like I said, I do, I do like the Eagles' chances. I mean, it is more than just like, oh, I think Carson Wentz is the savior and things like that. Right. I mean, like I saw what he did, you know, with a full healthy body mm-hmm. before he tore his ACL, and then I saw what he did when he came back and he basically played with a fractured back. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I was in eleven games. I mean, it's over three over three thousand yards. Yeah. Uh, 21 touchdowns to just like uh, eight interceptions, and he really started throwing interceptions kind of kind of late or or whatever before he got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I have confidence in him and what he can do. Our offensive line is back. I mean, like yeah. I have confidence in what they can do. Um, and our, we if we if we can get a running game, and that's my really that's really my only thing with Doug is he goes into these modes where he just pass 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 pass. But I can sort of understand it because we haven't really had a solid running back. Uh, Ajayi tore his, tears his ACL against the Vikings very mm-hmm. early on. Uh, you don't really know what you're going to have with Clement. Sproles is back, but you don't want to overuse him. Mm-hmm. Um, Smallwood's there, but, you know, Smallwood's very tiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, <clears throat> so I think Howard is, is a staple back. I know Howard had some fumble problems early on in his career. Uh, but if he can hold on to the ball, I mean, he can balance this out for Carson. And we've got Alshon on the outside. We've got, you know, we've got Aguilar. You know, they drafted uh, our Sega, our Sega uh, Whiteside mm-hmm. out of Stanford. Ertz is going to be Ertz. Yeah. Um, 
So I really like I like our offense and I like our defense. So. Doug Peterson is too good of a play caller for them to not have a running game. Yeah, or at least a decent running yeah. game, especially with Jordan Howard. Granted, you may want to take Jay Ajayi and have him move along slowly, but I feel like they could take Jordan Howard as kind of the main power yeah. back for most of the rushing options. If they go in the shotgun, you can bring Corey Clements or Wendell Smallwood, but all in all that. But uh, part of the big reason I think the Bears kind of lost the Eagles in the playoffs last year is that they didn't have a running game they, they could go to to take yeah. pressure off of Trubisky. And part of the reason that is that they just, for whatever reason, the the calls weren't good. I mean, granted, yeah. Tariq once the Cohen, Saints, when the Saints started really using Alvin Kamara mm-hmm. in that uh, in that division game, that's kind of when they took off. Right. I mean, aside from the fact that the Eagles had to play like freaking four zone, yeah. you know, quarters pretty much because we didn't have any cover corners because mm-hmm. literally everyone in our secondary was hurt, uh, which allowed Michael Thomas <laughs> to catch like twenty passes for right. whatever. Um, aside from that, when they started using Alvin Kamara. That really, that really gave them an edge. Not um, to mention the injuries on your yeah, team. I mean, really Schwartz, kind of, I mean, Schwartz kind of had his hands tied. A traditional guy who really goes like man on man. He yeah. can't really do that. He has to drop to zones, which mm-hmm. means he's only bringing four linemen. Um, and the whole reason why, I mean, it worked the year before is because our secondary was so good yeah. that it gave our defensive line, even though we were only rushing four, it gave them time to get to the quarterback. Yeah. When your secondary isn't as solid um, – you're, and you're only rushing four guys, and you're not bringing a linebacker, you're not bringing that extra guy, it makes it a little bit tougher. And, granted, and, Malcolm, and Malcolm Jenkins had to slide down into the box a lot of the time. Yeah, so. and granted, you guys still have Sidney uh, Jones, your pick yeah. from a couple years ago. He should be fully healthy now from his injury when he was still at yeah. Washington. Once everybody gets back, I have a full confidence that the Eagles can figure this thing out. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about quarterbacks and, and, and stuff, and the thing that was like really, really, that's been really trash on the internet. Uh, quarterback tiers and we rag on them a, a ton mm-hmm. uh, in our group in our group chat because they just seem to be so wrong. Like we saw one, the most recent. I don't even. What's the most recent one that we shared? Let me pull my phone out. The Chris Sims ranking. Oh yeah, the Chris Sims one. Um, besides that one being absolutely horrible, <laughs> <laughs> where he has Dak Prescott ranked above. Um, yeah, where he has Dak Prescott ranked above Matthew Stafford. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Jerry Goff, Trubisky, um, and then he's got guys like Sam Donald and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray above guys like Joe Flacco and, you know, uh, you can't even see Eli because he's not even on the list. Like, Eli's at the very bottom, like 34. Uh, like, it's things like this that really just make my blood boil. <laughs> I just, like, make my blood boil. Like, quarterback tiers have been so awful this past – I mean, it's just, like – Obviously, you've got you've got the Brady, mm-hmm. you've got Breeze, you yeah. got Rodgers. I don't know what your top three is. My top three is Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, and then you got. Um, I know I always forget people, so you're gonna be like, "Well, what about who?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, like that dude." I mean, then you got. I mean, you have to go Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's in the top. He's in the top five. He's not in the top three um, right now. And then at five, maybe like. Um, Maybe, maybe Philip Rivers. Maybe not. I don't know. I just, I don't, I just feel like those five, four guys, at least those four, are are pretty solid and pretty concrete in where they stand. We'll say, all personal opinions aside, uh, I do not want to get in the tirade about how I feel about Joe Flacco. All my <laughs> friends know how I feel about him, and I feel like he gets trashed all the time. But besides that, it's a really hard 
to have a legitimate opinion as far as how you feel about certain players over other players when the other players put out more stats because yeah. in all sports, stats are what tell the story, and stats don't necessarily tell the whole story now. For example, Big Ben, last year, he led the league in passing yards. He led the league in passing yards because for a lot of the time, he was in really close games and he kept throwing picks that ended drives yeah. and he would just be throwing the entire drive. Stat padding has become kind of the norm in sports, to sports, football, basketball, you know, baseball, hockey, all the sports. So it kind of skews opinions and it's harder to make a case. For example, on the list you just brought up, Kirk Cousins is ranked 15. Kirk Cousins has no playoff wins. Kirk Cousins has one division title when he was with Washington. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins is absolutely notorious for playing terrible and against really good opponents and then having basically just garbage time make up for his stats. There's the stat they keep floating around. Kirk Cousins is like 5-17 and 17 in primetime games. He's not good in the lights, all that stuff. There's even that stat that goes around about Aaron Rodgers where he's like 1-37 against teams with a winning record when he's losing by one point in the fourth quarter. Yeah, That's an insane stat. And also, I will at least say, a lot of people think talent is a reason to put someone above another person. That's not always the case. You can be the most talented person to ever play the sport, ever throw the ball, ever shoot the basket, whatever, but if you don't capitalize on that talent on the regular, you're not better than someone else who capitalizes on their talent on the regular. For example, Aaron Rodgers is widely regarded as the best thrower of the football ever. I happen to think it's Kurt Warner and also Dan Marino, but that's my own personal opinion. But because he has, quote unquote, done things with the football we've never seen before, he gets a pass. And other people who don't put up the same stats as he do, as he does, um, they get blamed for the same stuff that Aaron Rodgers gets excused for. For example, for and granted, this is this is a legitimate argument for Aaron. He, or his defense keeps blowing leads. He has to put everything on his shoulders. He has no running game. Uh, he has no pass rush, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you throw in another guy and you have those same exact problems, because he doesn't throw up 35 touchdowns and four interceptions like Aaron Rodgers does every year, he gets ridiculed for it instead of excused for it. And I think having someone – having that kind of contradictory uh, ideology for different players, especially when one who doesn't put up stats is actually more successful than the other one, doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it kind of helps – deter away from actual debates about this conversation for, but at least for quarterbacks themselves until proven. Otherwise the devil is going to be number one. By the <laughs> devil, I mean, Thomas Brady. All right. He's yeah. going to be number one because he, and this goes with Belichick too. They game plan every week for that specific opponent. And he will do whatever it takes, depending on the situation of the game in the Super Bowl last year, he didn't throw all the time because the game didn't dictate that. It was a scrum game. It was in your face, in the trenches, down and dirty, and he didn't need to put his team in jeopardy, especially when his first pass was intercepted. Yeah. Granted, it didn't turn out for points because the Rams were being, you know, the Rams. The Rams. Yeah. <laughs> basically, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, like Belichick basically used the same game plan he used against the greatest show on turf back in 2001 
on these Rams, and they couldn't figure it out, which is the exact same outcome. But either way, Tom Brady's always going to be number one until he retires, which I hope is now. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Do he it must, soon, Tom. Do yeah. it soon. Uh, Drew Brees is a little bit interesting because for years he had to put New Orleans on his back, yeah. and he had all these great stats. He had 5,000 yards and all that. But he, for all his regular season stuff, he's a little bit like Peyton Manning. He doesn't always get it done in the postseason. Now, granted, Peyton would take really bad teams to the postseason and then get decimated by like the 8-8 eight and eight Jets. That happened all the time for Peyton. Doesn't happen as much for Drew Brees because Superdome is always a tough place to play. Yeah. Beyond that, um, sure, Aaron Rodgers is up there in the better quarterbacks we have now. Um, Andrew Luck is up there. Russell Wilson is up there. Patrick Mahomes, of course, now who had the one year st- or his first year starting, won MVP. Philip Rivers is a bit underrated. Big Ben's a bit overrated, in my opinion, but I'm probably biased on that because I'm a Ravens fan. But there's a lot of guys that just kind of fall off and it's more of it's a what have you done for me lately yeah and there's a lot of guys that because they haven't flashed or they haven't produced or the media perception is you know the opposite of what it actually is or anything like that they don't get looked at in the same light as some other guys which is a bit of a shame but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I also happen to think that if you have not thrown a pass in the league yet, you are not better than someone who's won a Super Bowl, let alone two. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray is not better than Eli Manning. That is completely ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. We're looking at you, Chris Sims. <laughs> Chris Sims' list was wild. It was like – if a former quarterback who played in the NFL made a tier list, that's mm-hmm. what it was like. And you said he didn't even have Deshaun Watson on his list. I saw a comment that said they had like a finished list or something like that, and Deshaun Watson wasn't even on the list, which is completely ridiculous. Maybe that he means, just forgot. May, uh, he might have. He should have. Because that <laughs> means Colt McCoy is better than Deshaun Watson. That means um, Tyrod Taylor is better than Deshaun Watson. That means Kyler Murray is better than Deshaun Watson. That means Jimmy Garoppolo, who has played six games all four years of his career, it's better than Deshaun Watson. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and also, real quick. No, I, thank you to quarterback teams. Yes. I also say that just because something is exciting doesn't mean it's a better version than what you had. Yeah. And I meant to ask you when we were talking about AFC teams, Gronk retires. How do you think that affects the Patriots? You said that you think that this might be like the one of the first years that they – Fall into a wild card because of so many other teams are so good. Mm-hmm. What about the subtraction of, of Gronk for Brady? That's not going to affect him much, I don't think. For one, Gronk was on his last legs last year. All the injuries started tallying up, and it was evident. He'd show up every once in a blue moon, something like that. But my opinion that the Patriots are finally going to have a wild card berth instead of a bye is just because there's going to be other teams in the Colts and the Chiefs that are just better. The Patriots might get another eleven and five record. I don't think they'll get more than that. I mean, granted, they might come out in fourteen and two, just because you know the devil is a lie. But um, they drafted a guy, uh, the wide receiver um, Hakeem Neal, yeah, who is more or less a big body guy. Granted, he's a wide receiver and he's not a tight end, but they could use him in the same effect that they did use Gronkowski. Kind of use him as a big body, go up and get it exactly. Plus, he's probably faster than Gronk ever was anyway because he's a receiver. But I don't expect him to 
kind of taper off. They might have a little bit more resistance in the division with the Jets just because they're at least a better team on paper. Of course, with the Jets, they're going to realize that C.J. Mosley can't cover tight ends and they just paid him <laughs> you know, $14 million to run stop. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But they might get more resistance. Uh, it's really just because I think the Colts are going to come out guns blazing. They are definitely not going to be 1-5 to start the season again. And the Chiefs may not fall off as much even with the potential loss of Tyreek Hill. So I just think it's because those two teams are going to either be better or stay the course that I think New England's going to get a wild card instead of a bye. But it's really not anything indicative of what New England has lost or gained because every year they lose a lot and then gain a little bit and everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen? And yet Belichick comes out there and he still puts out a team because they are the greatest dynasty that's ever existed in any sport. And it's completely ridiculous how they are so good year in and year out, but they are. And that's the bottom line, honestly. Yeah. To dominate, I think in this, I know there's different eras of football and there's different times, but to dominate in sort of like this kind of like current era of football, um, to have Brady do it at the age that he's done it, mm-hmm. and to have to be able to get to have the players and the team surrounding him. I mean, it always just seems like the defense is always the more underrated part of the Patriots scheme. And then like, here they are winning them Super Bowls yeah. because like we just realize like how much better they are than the other team's offensive line and like their wide receivers and things like that. And it's, it's also probably because they game plan really well. Um, and they even did it without Matt Patricia. Yeah. Um, that nerd. <laughs> they even did it without him, which shows like, I mean, they're just, Whatever. It's also a little hard to fathom for me that at least I would say I would wager up until 2007 when they got Randy Moss and Brady won MVP and all that. Brady was more or less a game manager. Yeah. He would have 3,000, 3,500 yards, something like that. Maybe, you know, 25, 28 touchdowns, maybe like nine interceptions, something like that. But he didn't really pop until they got Randy Moss. And then after Randy left, he just kept going. And I find that astounding that they essentially won three Super Bowls in four years with a quarterback who was more or less a game manager. Lots of play action, lots of hard-nosed running, and then he becomes a quarterback, and it's absolutely insane. Yeah, and we have three minutes left. John, you you do an interesting thing every year when we have our fantasy drafts. You never draft a player who has to play the Ravens. Talk about that. And – do have you seen success with that? A little bit. I am a year removed. Manny won it last year, but I am a year removed from actually winning the uh, our fantasy league. But, Slumni league. Yeah. <laughs> um, part of that is just because the first year or two we did this league, I would draft players that happened to play games against my favorite team, which is the Ravens, and I would be sitting there and be like, "Okay, we need to blow them out," but Travis <laughs> Benjamin needs two hundred yards and three touchdowns. I'd be in that kind of compromising situation. And, of course, a big example is in the 2015 season, we were playing the Browns in Cleveland. It was a bad year for us. Um, but in that game, Matt Schaub was starting as quarterback. Late in the game, uh, the quarterback, I think it was McCown, Josh McCown or something like that, uh, threw a pass to Travis Benjamin, who was on the Browns at the time, for a late touchdown. I was like, yes, but no. <laughs> so in order to – It's very conflicting. Yes, it's very <laughs> conflicting. And in order to kind of get rid of that – I've gone and started not drafting any player or defense from a team that the Ravens played during the regular season. 
in the postseason, I don't care because the season's over and whether I win or not and can gloat is beyond that. But that's the big reason I do that because I don't want to be sitting there going <laughs> like, all right, we need to win by 46 points, but they need to score at least twice and it has to be this guy with this many yards and da 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 Yeah, I, I always – I sometimes try to draft guys who won't play or who don't play against the Eagles. But, like, I just don't have enough time to, like, look at some dude's schedule for the team he yeah. plays and, like, oh, like, these dudes play the Eagles. What I'll do is is I'll draft a player who plays against the Eagles. But then I'll be like, all right, so this dude has a bye week this week. And then, you know, like, if they just – I'll just sit them that week. Yeah. You know, if I win, I win. And if I lose, I lose. I've lost many games where I've sat a guy who play, plays against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll lose by, like, two or three points, and that dude has, like, the, the two or three points that we need. Yeah. But it's fine. I mean, like, have I found myself rooting for guys individually when they play the Eagles? Like, once. <laughs> like, once or twice. But I will say I do try to, like, pick my fair share of, like, solid Eagles players. I can remember vividly that one Monday night. Remember that one Monday night we were all in, in, uh, in our apartment, at my apartment back at Troy? And, like, all my Eagles players were saved until the Monday night. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, Ryan Matthews had, like, 20 points. Uh-huh. And then, uh, like, Carson Wentz had, like, 20 points. Ertz had, like, 15 points. And I was losing by, like – it ended up being, like, the largest comeback that season in our league. Right. I was losing by, like, 60 points to Daly. Daly, if you're listening to this and if you hear this, uh, sucks to suck. <laughs> <laughs> I was losing by, like, 60 points to Daly. And, like, three players had, like, brought me all the way back. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like the glory of, yeah. of picking your favorite players. And then, like, sometimes it sucks when you pick people who play your team because they go off and then, like, you win, but then, like, your team loses. And you're like, the happy medium is if the player that you pick and is playing against your team goes off and you win in fantasy and you also win, like, your favorite team wins. Like, that's mm-hmm. just the happy medium. But that's going to we're, – we're done. We're going to come back and we're going to wrap this up. All right, we're back to wrap up this episode of uh, Check the Scoreboard here. In case you've missed it, and if you made it this far, congratulations. If you've missed it, uh, this is not a conventional basketball episode. I had the homie John on Guido News Special Report. Word. Um, you know, John bringing us the unofficial official or the official unofficial. Legitimate sponsorship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually just had a sad face because Alex said he can't come to Montgomery. So, wow, another one bites the dust. We're <laughs> dropping like flies here. No. Um, well, okay. Um, but John, thanks for coming on, man. It was a lot of fun talking yeah. football and basketball with you. No problem. A lot of fun talking, you know, our, our potential fantasy draft. Yeah. I say potential now because yeah. people are dropping like flies. I will uh, say one last thing: that little method I use to pick fantasy players. It also helps because it narrows down the field for picking players, and everyone just kind of looks for the big name a lot of the times. So I have to go a little bit more in depth, and that way I have little kind of gems I can pull out. Just for drafting. You better, hope, you better hope people don't listen to this before Saturday. They're going to well, steal all your tactics. No, they're going to steal all my tactics, yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, everyone's going to be going like, oh, can Antonio Brown? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> if he's on the board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Jalen texting me now if, if Antonio Brown is available to draft him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone always has, like, some reason, like, they can't, like, make it to the draft. Like, oh, my connection's mm-hmm. messed up. Oh, like, I'm busy. Like, I'm at work. Yeah. Or, like, something. And I'm like, dude, Draft your team, please. <laughs> I'll also say for your official unofficial sponsorship, Guido News is incorrect 95% of the time, but the 5% we are correct, we rub it in. 
all the time. Yeah. So I get so many text messages when he's right. <laughs> he's he's like, you got to say this. You got to you got to say this. I had to give him a shout out when the Raptors made it to the finals. This literally spawned because the first inception of Guido News was at the start of the 2013 season, way back when, the year after the Ravens won the Super Bowl. They go to Denver, and of course, Peyton Manning, fresh off a neck surgery, <laughs> throws seven touchdowns and all that. But very early in the game, um, we punt to Denver, and Wes Welker's back there returning. And I just sit there and like, he's going to fumble. We had a new special report. Guess what? Fumbled. We recovered. I'm like, that's it. I'm the Oracle. Uh, yeah, I am the Oracle. <laughs> all right, well, that's going to do it for episode 27. Uh, social media plug here. Uh, it's been so long since I've done it. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search my name because I don't feel like dropping the handles on here. I don't even know my Instagram handle, but I know if you search my name, you can find it. John is on Facebook. You can add him on Facebook. Um, he posts rants sometimes on there, and they're really good. Yeah. Also, really quick, I am working on finishing up my NFL Burn book. Oh, yes. Uh, for those that don't know what it is, it is basically just a book where I went on a tirade on each individual team. Uh, it's mainly just for fun. Jamal's the one that gave me the idea. Yeah. But yes. I am looking to try and get that self-published, so it should be... Everyone has to buy 10 copies, especially <laughs> especially if you're friends with John. We all have to buy 10 copies. So it should be somewhere around uh, Amazon, Amazon Kindle, stuff like that. Um, but uh, be on the lookout for the NFL Burn Book. The greatest book ever. It should be going out there, and uh, you guys might like it. I look forward to it. Explicit John, language. I look forward to it. John, yeah. thanks for coming on. Thanks for keeping the, the language to... Uh, a nice parse where I don't have to put the, the E button on there. I can be tame sometimes. No, thank you. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say I can be rude sometimes. No, <laughs> no thank you. Um, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's episode 37 in a nutshell. I'm going to now have more people in the group me say like, oh, you didn't have me on the podcast. So right. I'm slowly working my way around to you guys, okay? All right. I've had, John is now the fourth person from Slumni, in the Slumni group, to come on the podcast. We had Jalen. We had Beak Note Fifth. We had Jalen, BK, we had Alex, we had Manny. Mm-hmm. Now you have John, that's five. Josh, I'm working. You know, it's tough because you're a Knicks fan and the Knicks suck. Yeah. You're also yeah. a Giants fan and the Giants suck. But I can have you on and we can talk about your misery. I'm getting around to you, okay? Other people out there want to come on. I'll have you guys on too. Having guests on is fun. Um, but just be patient. I'm getting around to you guys. I'm really just here to give you your unofficial sponsorship and also to be like, hey, I'm your number two. There we give go. Yes. See, there we go. John, <laughs> drop, John drives down from Arkansas and he pulls up on the podcast. Okay? That's how it works. If you drive down and you pull up, we can get you on here. I can be the wingo to your goalie. There it is. <laughs> there it is. And this is how I became a multimillionaire. Right. Ten years from now, I'll look back on this like, this is how I did it. Touchdown. Greg. Jennings. Jennings. <laughs> Put the team on his back. Greg Jennings. Darren Sharper. <laughs> but that's gonna wrap us up. We're gonna we're gonna cut this thing off before we say something we're not supposed to. Right. Episode 37. Thank you all for the support. Check out the blog. Uh more Guido News special reports sure to come. We're out.